Welcome to the Holistic Hotties Podcast. I'm your host, Kat Mansfield, and I'm on a mission to help you feel good naked. Not just with your clothes off, but with your masks off. Completely you, completely naked. I want to help you fall so in love with yourself that you can't help but feel good naked. I'm a certified holistic health coach, meditation teacher, and yoga teacher traveling around the world to further satiate a curiosity for all things healing and true. Feeling good naked is so much more than eating healthily, the bubble baths, and the spa days. It's that deep sense of security, that deep sense of safety in your own body. Here, we're going to talk about how to overcome the roadblocks, the mindsets, the beliefs, and the self-imposed limitations that are keeping you from embodying the most radiant, holistically hot version of you. By pressing play, you're one step closer to feeling good naked. Let's do this. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Holistic Hotties. I am so glad you're here. I think we're on episode 27, which is so exciting. (laughs) I don't know if I've been this consistent with anything in my entire life, and that's great. So this week, I want to talk about an insight that I gained from the book that I'm reading right now, which is Siddhartha. My girlfriend lent me this book, and she just read it and was raving about it. Um, She'd read it before, but basically was just telling me, you have to read this. It's a spiritual catalyst. (laughs) And I was like, great, (laughs) send it hither. So I dove in and it is exactly that, a spiritual catalyst. So if anybody needs a book right now, highly recommend Siddhartha. There's one insight. I mean, there are countless insights in that book. However, there's one that has really stuck with me as it's quite simple. It's essentially the formula to create anything in your life. So I want to give you a little bit of context about the novel so that you can understand where this insight comes from, its inception, essentially. And then I want to dive into each part of this insight, which will make more sense in a second. So Siddhartha is about Siddhartha's spiritual journey. He is born the son of a Brahmin or Brahmin. I don't know how to say that, but basically a highly venerable spiritual man. And so he's born into this world of prayer and devotion and monk-like existence. And then as he's growing up, he decides to abandon this. He joins the Samanas, which are essentially wanderers in the forest. They wander from town to town. They beg and they rely on the generosity and goodwill of those in these towns to survive. And they go for weeks at a time without food. They go for weeks at a time without shelter. They're basically wanderers, beggars. So he lives this life for a very long time. And then he comes to this town. He meets this beautiful courtesan and he embarks on his sexual awakening, the material part of his journey. And as he's met Kamala, that's the courtesan, he knows that this is his teacher to teach him love, to teach him pleasure, to teach him sensuality in this human body. However, she's a courtesan. She needs the man that she is with to be of worldly things. She says, how are you meant to be with me? You don't have fine clothes. You don't have fine hair. You don't have nice shoes. And he says, well, I will create that then. And she says, well, what are your skills? How are you going to create that abundance, essentially? And he says, well, I've learned how to think, how to wait, how to fast. And she responds, what do you think you're going to do with that? (laughs) Pretty much. And he says, well, I will think, I will wait, I will fast. And then soon 
all of these serendipities start to come into his world. The most well-known businessman in this town seeks out Siddhartha and asks for his services because Siddhartha knows how to read and write. So Siddhartha is now welcomed into the most influential businessman's world. He becomes a part of these businesses. He starts to acquire abundance. And Kamala, the courtesan, comes to him and says, how did you create all this so quickly? How did you attract these serendipities to you, essentially? And he says, well, I think, I wait, I fast. And the way he describes this to her, the way the reader interprets this is it's all a game the way siddhartha moves about this formula is like a game he thinks he waits he fasts these are the skills he's acquired as the son of a brahmin as a samana after spending the majority of his life as a deeply spiritual man these skills are what allow him to create anything he desires aka yeah, I'll come into this town and I'll create all the abundance I need. Just watch. As I was reading this, again, there are countless insights in this book. It's like every page I'm underlining and just, what? <laughs> However, this one specifically, I read that, sat with it, and was like, well, yeah, that that is the whole formula. That is the whole formula. So I want to dive into each step of that. To think, to wait, to fast. And bring it back down, bring in a little bit more grounding. So it's not so esoteric. It's not just so like Siddhartha said that and it's a (laughs) woo-woo. I'm thinking, I'm waiting and I'm fasting. You know, like what does that mean in our modern day world on our modern day spiritual journey? So that's what we're going to dive into. First, to think. Okay. There is a experiment that I want to talk about and it's called the conscious observer effect. There are a lot of different experiments that are conducted within the quantum physics realm that explain this theory. However, this is just one. And essentially what it means is for a wave to collapse into a particle in the quantum field, a conscious observer needs to be present. In fact, the only way that a wave can collapse into a particle is because there is a conscious observer. Essentially, whenever a conscious observer is present, observing waves of energy, they then become particles. They then become coherent. They then become tangible and orderly. So essentially, all that means is once you have created your intention, once you have gotten still and decided upon what you want to create, once you have envisioned it, Once you sit down and feel what that is, what that existence feels like in your body, you're essentially collapsing the wave. It's becoming a reality somewhere in the quantum field. You are creating that reality and then it's just a matter of time. It's a matter of drawing that reality to you. So as soon as you decide it exists, as soon as you set your awareness, set your intention, set your attention onto this reality, onto the existence of this thing, it exists. It now exists. Whether that be the abundance you want to create, whether that be the relationship you want to create, whether that be the dream career that you want to create. Once you sit down, decide that it exists, feel the emotion of what it's like in your body as you are living that existence, it exists. And disclaimer. This does not mean, I thought it once, I thought it as I was driving down the street, I really want this thing. So it's coming to me now. It is a much more intricate 
process than that. Obviously, it takes consistency. It takes devotion. It takes sitting down time and time again in this reality, in this knowing that what you are creating already exists, in this knowing that by putting your conscious awareness, by putting your conscious intention onto what you want to create, it exists. In that, there is peace. In that knowing that it exists, coming back to it over and over and over again, choosing to sit in it, choosing to sit in the emotion of it is what collapses that particle. It's not a one-time thing. (laughs) I think that's where people get a little bit spiritually bypassy of like, well, I thought about it and it didn't come to me the next week. So this is bullshit. (laughs) And no, it just doesn't work like that. (laughs) This is like a very dense universe that we live in, attracting The reality that you are creating takes time. There are lots of moving parts. It's like quantum Tetris, you know, it exists and everything has to align for it to come to you. And there's no certain amount of time that it takes. It's not like, oh, well, within a month, it'll probably be here. It takes about three months for that kind of thing. You know, it's not like that because time is fabricated. Time leaps. We have the power to quantum leap through time. So it can come to you as quickly as tomorrow if you are aligned for it, if your threshold is big enough to hold space for that creation, for those particles. So to think, and I invite you to do more research on these experiments. It's called the conscious observer effect, or another one is the double split experiment. And that essentially is where they shoot photons at a wall. First, there's one slit in the wall. Makes sense that the photons move through that wall, spot onto the wall behind it. Then they replace that wall with two slits. They shoot photons the exact same place. Now, because the observer knows that there are two splits, the photons now split into both of these slits and go through the wall. I'm not a scientist, so I might not be articulating it the best. (laughs) I highly recommend you look into these deeper because at the end of the day, creation, meditation, it's science. This is all data. I'm not the one conducting these experiments. So again, not going to be the best to articulate it. However, these experiments are there and it's just data. So I highly invite you to look more into that if it's something that piques your interest. But those are two amongst many experiments being done to quantify quantum physics, to make quantum physics tangible in our real life. Okay, so that is to think. And the way Siddhartha uses that skill in this context, for example, He arrives in this town. He has decided to create abundance for himself. So he thinks. He decides. He collapses the wave into particle that that is the reality that will be his. He already knows. He says, okay, I'll go create that. Okay, (laughs) great. Give me a sec. (laughs) So then that leads to step two. I think I wait. And this is, well, they're all hard. (laughs) They all can feel hard in moments, but the waiting, the patience, the trusting, the knowing that in time it will come to you. You don't know how though. You don't know how. It may not look how you suspect it will look. It may not come to you in the package that says to cat, open this to begin your new reality that you thought of. You know, like it doesn't it doesn't come so nicely packaged with a bow on top delivered by Amazon Prime. It just doesn't. And so the waiting, the trusting. And in the book, for example, it's waiting for the serendipitous opportunity, which is 
this well-known businessman coming to him, offering him the opportunity to come into his home, to live with him on his grounds, to be dressed in his robes, to live with the servants, to eat fine foods, to drink fine wines. That is the serendipity. Siddhartha didn't know when, didn't know how. He just knew it would be. So the waiting. Patience is a virtue. Faith. Trusting in the fact that you have collapsed the wave. It exists. It's coming. It's just a matter of when, how, and in what way. (laughs) Which is exciting. It's the exciting part. You get to keep your eyes open and notice and observe. And in this waiting time, in our modern day world, this is what you do. This is how you utilize the waiting time. You find expanders. You find other people in your world, in your sphere, whether it be on social media, whether it be through friends of friends, whatever. People who are doing what you want to do, what you have thought about creating, what you have collapsed into particle that it's on its way to you. Find people who are doing it. Surround yourself with them. See to believe that it's possible for you too. See to believe that somebody else has created it, that somebody else is living in it, so you can too. Expanders are crucial. When we see something, our brain creates like a little new tab and says, you can have this too. Okay, that exists. Oh, they're just like me and they have that? Easy. Okay, I can do that. They're no different than I am and they're an influencer? Cool. (laughs) You know, or whatever the example is. Like, they're just like me. They're human. They struggle with XYZ. And they live in this home? Okay, great. You know, like there are anything you want to create, finding the expanders in this time that you're waiting, bolstering that trust muscle, knowing that it is coming, that other people have created it, and so you can too. And all the while in this waiting time, keeping your eyes open, noticing the little winks from the universe, the little nudges from the universe saying, you're on the right track, it's coming. We know that you've created this. We know that the particles are on their way to you. The waves have been collapsed. You have already decided on this reality that you are creating. We see that. I see that. It's coming. Here's a little wink. Here's a little nudge. Here's a little motivation to keep your patience, to find peace in patience, to find peace in knowing it's on the way. So I think I wait and I fast. And this is my favorite part of the equation, I think. When they describe it in the book, it was one of those, oh, cool moments, right? Where I was like, I never thought of it like that. And the fasting also plays into the waiting period. But it's not the literal fasting. It's not, you know, abstaining from food. It is the metaphorical definition of fasting. So let me describe that. The way Siddhartha talks about this skill, because Kamala says, the courtesan says, what is fasting going to do? How is that a skill that, you know, is going to contribute to creating your abundance? And he says, well, I have experienced hunger. I have learned how to overcome hunger. In fasting, I've experienced great amounts of hunger to the point where These sensations in my body felt overwhelming, yet I overcame them with my mind. Yet I learned how to sit in them, allow for them, move through them. So hunger no longer motivates me. 
to settle for something that is not in alignment. Hunger no longer is the motivation to accept food in exchange for something that is not in alignment. I have learned how to sit in the discomfort of hunger so that I can wait for exactly what I'm creating. There's no compulsion to rush to accept what is less than what I desire. And I was like, oh my gosh, it's essentially learning how to sit in the discomfort, learning how to fast. And this doesn't pertain to food, right? It's the more metaphorical fasting. For example, this applies to all other uncomfortable emotions. Becoming familiar with loneliness, for example. Becoming familiar with fear, for example. Becoming familiar with scarcity, for example. Once you have become familiar with those emotions and you've created the container to sit in them, you've created the space to allow for the discomfort in your body, they no longer are the motivating force. They no longer are driving you to accept things that are out of your alignment, that are taking you off track, that are keeping this reality that exists somewhere in the quantum that you've thought about, that you've sat in the emotion of, that you've waited for. You're no, no longer accepting anything that takes you out of alignment from that because you are able to sit in the discomfort despite feeling hunger, despite feeling loneliness, despite feeling fear, despite feeling scarcity. And that feels liberating. That skill, the ability to fast, the ability to withstand discomfort, to withstand hunger. Because we've all been there when you're hungry or like so ravenous, you don't think you can make it. Like <laughs> I especially am a baby when it comes to hunger. Like if I'm hungry and I don't have food within the next 10 to 15 minutes of feeling that hunger, oh man, I'm impulsive. I will curse. I am rude. Like, <laughs> so that notion, that metaphorical hunger, that metaphorical compulsion to satiate that sensation in the body, whether it be hunger, whether it be loneliness, whether it be fear, we're so programmed to do whatever it takes to get out of that feeling, to numb with whatever we have, to accept whatever will temporarily satiate that sensation, that hunger. This is good enough. This will do. And even think the last time you were starving, like when you get to that point where you're so hungry and you're like, I will eat anything. I will eat 16 packets of hot sauce if it takes this hunger away. Put it on some like stale bread. That's good enough. Whatever. Just give me something. You know, that notion, the notion of just give me something to take this discomfort away. Give me any suitor to take this discomfort of loneliness away. Give me any opportunity to take the discomfort of scarcity away. Instead, sitting in the discomfort and actually relishing in how powerful it is to be able to exist in that sensation, to be able to feel hungry and still not let it dictate your action, not let it dictate your devotion to the path, to the reality that you are creating. So becoming familiar with the sensation of hunger, and again, metaphorical hunger. <laughs> I mean, if you want to go fast and you know become familiar with the sensation of real hunger, you do you. I can't really do that, but more power to you, Siddhartha. <laughs> There's nothing more powerful than that feeling in the body of hunger, of fatigue, of satiating hunger, of satiating fatigue, and doing whatever it takes to do so. But instead, deciding to move past that discomfort 
knowing that on the other side of it, food will find you. What you are creating will find you. So I hope you enjoyed this conversation, everybody. I am really loving how much feedback I'm getting from you all about topics that you like. And if you ever have a topic that you're like, I want to hear about this, shoot me a DM. I would love to include it. I also want to mention my retreat is happening September 30th to October 4th in Tulum, Mexico. Again, I'm still just talking to women who are interested in going. And even that, I trust that the people who are meant to go will find this retreat and the group that's meant to come together will come together. And if it's meant to happen, it will. Great. (laughs) Awesome. So if you're interested in learning more, again, we'll be having conversations like this. It's called Sensual Self-Inquiry, and it's about creating a space to truly inflate into every cell of your being take up space dive deep and love what you find so that is the container we'll be creating there i'll put all the information in the show notes and that is all have a wonderful rest of your day everybody Mwah. <laughs>